people. Two things real quick. Instead of seeing it as man-to-man is not this Wednesday, see it as it is this Wednesday, except we won't be sitting in a circle talking about the, the book. It will, a lot of dudes will be, you know, definitely present. Like if nobody else shows up to help with this, the fellas will be there. That's our normal time anyway. So let's still be there. And um, that'll, that'll just be banging to see all the male figures up there as we're getting it in. Uh, yeah, and somebody like somebody called this week and they were like, oh, man, somebody told me we weren't having it. So just make sure that before you go calling around telling people it's no man to man that you know what you're talking about, because uh, it really was. Um, secondly, um, just take note of how we're able to do gifts from the manger, 100, over 100 gifts, the families we know nothing of. Well, it's funny. We usually have to partner with someone outside of us, and they care about people that are even closer in proximity to us. They just care about us being able to present the people that we're in connection or proximity to with gifts on this day. I pray that we'll take note of that because one day we're not going to be able to call up a church and say, can you help us give somebody our neighbor's gifts? We'll have to go to ourselves. So I hope that we're learning during these seasons where somebody's defraying our cost and our ministry investment. And I hope one day we'll be able to look at us and still not say, oh, well, we have 10 gifts because um, we asked just us. I hope that one day we'll be able to say we have 100 gifts because that's just how dope our, our ministry heart is. Amen. Uh, so let's. How y'all feel today? Y'all know how I am. I don't like stoicism. I like smiles and activity, or frowns even. If you don't like it, let me see it. Um, I praise God for the gangster look that's in the audience, mixed about. A lot of roughnecks looking in the audience. I like it because today we're going to talk about something uh, that breaks the roughneck down, that penetrates the hard rock. The Lord Jesus Christ. We're working our way through the book of John, the gospel according to John. John makes a big deal about Jesus Christ because his purpose is that he would have documented the life of Christ in such a way that people would believe that Jesus is the Messiah, Son of God, and that by believing, people would have life in his name. That's John. As a young church who just sparked it off September 19, I mean, excuse me, September 17th, 2006, we said, let's just build our church on the foundation of the one people must come to know and have life in his name. So for us, we've just been keeping it like this. Church for us is now the place where we broadcast Jesus Christ unplugged, unaided, unspiked, uh, striking footage of his words and his works. That's our series. We're going through all uh, 21 chapters, 22 chapters of John. 21 or 22? What is it? 21? And as we do it, we're mindful of we're in a culture where church is becoming the highlight of Sunday morning, but people come and don't run into Jesus Christ. I was just thinking as we were sitting down there and I was listening to the song selection, I was like, man, like Jesus Christ is like dominating every song. And it almost felt funny because 
Like, I come from an era where we sort of spread the glory out a little bit. Jesus gets a little glory, but so does mankind. And, you know, I'm saying other stuff gets glory. And I was like, man, all this Jesus, this is like unusual, but I like it. God wants you to like Jesus dominating the scene. Churches, usually the regularly scheduled program of people who want to get their praise on, but not the place where the knowledge of Christ is the focus. Ephesians says that God laced the church with pastors and teachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists, not so we could get our praise on, even though that may result. Not so that we could, you know what I'm saying, sip eggnog and by the fireplace and hug each other and say, good to see you this week. Not so we could use the word doc. Hey, doc. But so that we would develop into muscle-bound believers in Jesus Christ so that the knowledge of him would put spiritual muscles on our, our bones. Um, we would know who Jesus is, what he came to do. And uh, what he continues to do and what he's ultimately doing. So at Epiphany, that's sort of how we're trying to build it from the ground up. This this church that from the ground up, you run into Jesus Christ. But like me said, um, not in a way that um, is just churchy, but in a way that says that, nah, this is this is real for us. Every song we sing, if we have rappers up here, they must be communicating the mindset of God and focusing on either the cross or the Christ of the cross or uh, the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Spirit, and so on and so forth. So let's dive in. Right now in the book of John, we've already been blown away with John telling us that Jesus Christ started in eternity past. We ain't talking about somebody that one day just popped on a scene. We're talking about somebody who always was. Jesus Christ comes from eternity past, and he's in uh, Nazareth. He's in Galilee. He's, he's been to Cana of Galilee. He's been down to Judea. He's been up to Samaria. He's come back to Galilee. And through the first five chapters, we've seen Jesus do everything from turn water into wine to flip some tables to just go off on people, to heal people without even having to think about it, all the way to coming back and... Uh, and now we looked at him at a pool during the feast, dipping away from the feast. Most of us, we, we leave church to hit the feast. Jesus Christ left church to go to the place where people needed ministry. Excuse me, he left the feast for that. And so next thing you know, we looked in five, and Jesus Christ finds himself on the ropes of human interrogation. Jesus Christ finds himself up against the ropes, having to, you know, give a defense for some of the things he's been doing and how he's been doing it and what he has to say about what he's doing. So by the time you get to chapter 5, uh, Pastor Mace uh, did a banging um a banging job talking about the man at the pool of Bethesda and how the man at the pool of Bethesda got healed on the Sabbath. And that caused people to say, that's the last straw. I don't that we've had enough of this Jesus guy. You know, we're leery of people who get buzz and it's not us anyway. That's the Pharisees. The 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 antagonists of the book of John are the religious leaders of Israel. So the religious leaders hate when a dude starts to get a little buzz because 
actually they want all buzz to stay hovering around them. And so Jesus is getting this buzz, just like John the baptizer was getting buzz. They sent somebody to him like, yo, I mean, what's good here? Are you, I mean, because this kind of buzz, maybe you're the Messiah. Because uh, they were looking for the Messiah. The only problem is when the real Messiah came, they revealed they weren't looking for the real Messiah. They were looking for something else. Jesus Christ in chapter 5, now that he's on the ropes trying to defend himself, he says, let me tell you, you're getting it all twisted. I'm the son. I have a unique father. My father is God. I'm his unique son. You don't understand our relationship. And so about 19 to, uh, to verses 23 of chapter 5, Jesus Christ begins to talk about the unique relationship that he has with uh, the Father. It's sort of like in our culture today. Uh, there's a, a, a hip-hop artist named Lil Wayne. There's another one named Baby, or excuse me, Birdman. Lil Wayne is considered and is the adopted son of Birdman. Well, recently a picture was taken of them kissing on the lips. And this is what it says that one of the, the websites said, in, in a certain music genre, it's not gangster to love your father. In fact, it's customary to forsake your pops because oftentimes it makes for a quality tune. Now Birdman and his adopted son, the South's poster boy, Lil Wayne, Lil Wheezy, have dropped the debut ob- album called Like Father, Like Son, with its lead single, Stunting Like My Daddy, and the hip-hop world is befuddled. What do we do when somebody admits he has a daddy? Do we spread rumors that he's gay? Trust, people have. Birdman, when asked about it, said, Wayne, to me, is my son, my firstborn son, and that's what it do for me. Baby told Uptown Angela, that's my life. That's my love. That's my thing. That's my little son. I love him to, de- to death. You know, it's almost like today we enter into a message I like to call like father, like son. And it's similar because it's a strange relationship when you don't understand it. It's so close and it's so intimate. There's something true about it that the average bystander would sleep on. Jesus Christ <laughs> enters into his Christology, the study of himself, by letting us know all eyes should be focused on a father-son relationship. So it's almost like from all the way from 18 to 47, I don't know how much we're going to get, uh, uh, 18 to 47 is almost like John opening some Christology. Christology. Y'all like that? Christology? All right. Come on, y'all got to loosen up. Jesus doesn't mind taking a stand. He's already affirmed, yo, me and the Father, we're one, we're equal. Uh, Me and the Father are intimate. Me and the Father are united. But he emphasizes his dependence. I want you all to start with verse 24. Uh, Pastor Meese left off at 23. I want to start with chapter 5, verse 24. Your value of the Son is a matter of life and death. Your value of the son is a matter of life and death. Let's read verse 24. Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and does not come into judgment, but has but he has passed out of death into life. 
Know the Son, K-N-O-W, the Son. It would be an oxymoron for you to be a Christian and have a weak Christology. He says here, if you know the Son, K-N-O-W, then you'll know that the Son is uniquely related to the Father, but he isn't the Father. This is important And I say it's a matter of life and death because some Christians don't know what the Bible means when the Bible says that Jesus is the Son of God. I remember asking somebody, yo, is Jesus God? They said, no, he's the Son of God. (laughs) In the Bible, you'll get laughed at in the Bible. Because if you say he's the Son of God, what you mean is he's God the Son. This is also important because there are whole, whole Christian groups who don't believe that Jesus Christ is distinct from the Father because he can't be God unless he's also the Father. So you get oneness Pentecostals or modalists who believe that the Son is just God the Father when he's acting like a son. So they'll say stuff like this. No, see, I'm a father, I'm a son, and I'm an accountant. When I'm being father, that means I'm the father. But I also have a father, they'll say, by way of analogy. So sometimes I'm the son. And then when I go to work, I'm not being a father there or a son there. I'm being an accountant. The reason why Jesus Christ is important that we recognize that you have to properly value the son and properly understand him into K-N-O-W, know the son, is because you don't want to fall into the category of the person who says, Jesus isn't God, he's the son of God. You expose your own ignorance. You also don't want to fall into the category of the person who says, hey, Jesus is just God when he's acting like a son. You don't want to say that. And Jesus says, look, I'm no less than God, but I'm distinct from the Father. He says, in fact, you've got to hear my word, but believe the one who sent me. I'm the God that God sent, and we're one God. And so he looks and he says, God gives life, I give life. God is working on the Sabbath, I work on the Sabbath. God sustains creation, I sustain creation. God speaks life, I speak life. You're looking at no less than God, but you're not looking at the Father, you're looking at the Son. This is why you have to be a Trinitarian in order to grasp and to understand this, simply because how else is God not three gods, yet there's God the Father who sent A son who's just as much God as he is, but he's not different. He's not a different God. So again, this is Christology. He goes and he says here, you must believe this is a matter of life and death. Verse 23 of 5 says that God the Father understands that people are going to have a problem understanding the uniqueness of God the Son. So he's rigged it so that everyone will have to honor the Son, not somewhat like they honor the Father, but in the same way, verse 23, as they honor the Father. He wants Jesus Christ getting his props. We live in a day where even check your own heart. You feel a little more comfortable talking about God than you do about Jesus as God. We live in a day where even we sort. I have a friend of mine who says, I don't mind talking about God as Jesus have a problem with. God the Father says, I have a problem with that mindset. I worked it so that Jesus Christ would get honor in the same way as me. 
So you must know, K-N-O-W, the son, don't know the son, N-O, the son. Because the flip side of believing in the son and getting life is reject the son as the Bible defines him and you don't get life. Other religions are not falling short because they don't believe in the golden rule. Other religions are not falling short because they don't believe in feeding the poor. They don't believe in seeking the peace of the city. They don't believe in healings. And they, other beliefs believe all of that. But they know the Son as this equal to the Father but distinct from the Father's Son. They know Him, N-O, instead of know Him, K-N-O-W. Jesus Christ says, man, I'm more than a prophet when I say I'm the son. So there are religions who say Jesus is a prophet. Come on, I mean, I'll give him that. He's a special prophet. Jesus says, nah, I'm the son. Some people say, well, he's the first created. Nah, I'm the son. He's a great teacher. Thomas Jefferson made a Bible with just the moral teachings of Jesus Christ. I like Jesus. He's a great teacher. He says, no, 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 I'm the son. Jesus says, whoever hears what I say about myself, whoever lets me interpret who I am, whoever hears my word and takes heed to what I say about myself, he has life and escapes judgment. The reason why I like this is because I, I have combos with people. You ought to have combos. One, you ought to do, quiz yourself, like talk like this and watch how bugged out you look in the context of our culture. I was talking to somebody. He was like, man, I don't understand. Like, I don't see how you've got to understand the Trinity. I don't understand how you have to believe the Trinity to be a, a Christian. And so I was saying, well, you know, I won't even comment on you have to understand the Trinity since the Trinity was became the doctrine of the Trinity around 325 AD. So it's not the Trinity. You have to understand and you have to grapple in Scripture with this idea that Jesus said he's not the Father, but he's God. Now, you have to deal with that as a believer. You can't just worship God as you imagine him. We live in a day where people just take a guess at God, worship that, and think that God's going to give them credit for at least having good intentions. And we're in a day where Jesus says, don't go on your own idea. Heed my word and my word documents. Later, he's going to say, heed my works. My word documents. I am equal to God the Father, but I'm not God the Father. I'm equal to the Holy Spirit, but I'm not the Holy Spirit. Now, you got to grapple with that. you got to do what the early church did. Sit around a table with some qualified biblical cats and say, now, what do we make of this? I don't understand this. Jesus here, the Jews understood that he was making himself to be with God, even though they thought he was making himself to replace God. Jesus didn't say, I'm not God. Jesus said, in my Godness, don't worry, I'm not the Father. I'm dependent on the Father. Look, he says in, um, back in 19, he says, yo, I truly the Son can do nothing of his own. He didn't say, I can do nothing of my own. This is a, this is a discourse on this person called the Son. And he says the son can do nothing of his own. But what he sees the father doing. Who's this the son? Who's this the father? Son, what are you doing looking at the father if you're God? 
He's saying, listen, I'm just trying to tell you this unique relationship that we have. The father does stuff and the son watches him and does it in like fashion. But the son's not less than the father. You're confusing me. He says, that's because of your understanding of equality. You think if you're equal, y'all should do the same stuff. And nobody should take the lead. Who you telling? Ah, uh-uh, you ain't my boss. Jesus says, what I'm trying to do is demonstrate for humanity what it looks like to be equal in essence, yet not have be equal in role. Be distinct. And so he goes on and says, yo, anyone who hears my word doesn't come up with their own thoughts of me. He says, anyone, and, and look, he uses the, the, the truly, truly, which means he can detect skepticism. Whenever Jesus uses truly, truly, it's usually surrounded in context where people are having a hard time buying into what he's saying. And Jesus says, truly, truly, which is his way of saying, I'm telling you, like, sleep on this if you want. But I'm telling you, unless a man is born again, I'm telling you, he who hears my word... In the Bible, to hear my word is not, I heard you. Well, why are you not doing it? I heard you. No, in the Bible, if you heard me, you're doing what I said. Heard and heed is the same thing in the Bible. He says, if you hear that and believe the one who sent me, he's going to say, look, he's the one that told you I was coming. <sighs> Epiphany, give him the gospel. If the idea is that they have life, we look at Christian rappers all the time. We argue about should we give them the gospel? Well, I mean, you don't have to give them the gospel if you want to just entertain them. You have to give them the gospel if you want them to have life and escape judgment. So let's just let's just decide what the agenda is and then we'll decide whether or not we have to give the gospel. Oh, if you're a musician. okay, nah, you don't have to sing me under the table. No, you don't don't have to give the gospel. I want you to have life, though. Okay, you better give me the gospel. But I don't want my kid to have life, and I want them to go to heaven. Okay, work. So I'm going to take them to Disney World. Okay, well, you better do more than take them to Disney World. You better give them the gospel. Knowing the son, valuing the son is a matter of life and death. As I look around at our generation, you know, the Bible says that the Jews struggle with receiving this son because they look for a sign and they missed his signs. The Greeks struggle with receiving this son because they look for wisdom. The hip hop generation struggles with this son because they want coolness and they miss his coolness. They want ruggedness. And they miss his ruggedness. Dudes in the audiences at our concerts looking at us like, please, I'm more afraid of MOP than Jesus Christ. Please, I'm bored with Jesus. Just give me some, uh, some, some Luda, some 50, some T.I. Just give me somebody rugged. Give me some old J. Jesus says, you got to value me right as the son. It's a matter of life and death. Know me, K-N-O-W, life and escape judgment. <laughs> know me, nah, that's all right, Jesus, you good. I'm good, I'm good. That's what people witness around here. People say, nah, nah, I'm good. You tell them about Jesus, oh, no, no, no. You pass them a, 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 a flyer to a club, oh, word. You pass them a tracklet, oh, I'm good. 
know him, it's the opposite. The value of the son is a matter of life and death. The voice of the son is your means to life after death. Verse 25 to 29. Let's read it. Truly I say to you, an hour is coming and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. That's why you can't know him. you know. And those who hear will live. For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. And he has given him authority to execute judgment because he is the Son of Man. Do not marvel at this. For an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life, those who have done evil to the resurrection of judgment. The voice of the son is your means to life after death. First, the voice of life. He says, just by the voice of my voice. Now, once again, remember who we're talking about. We're talking about a Jesus people have trouble valuing. We're talking about a Jesus people have trouble. He called himself the stumbling block. He says, people stumble over me. He said, blessed are you when you don't stumble over me, when I don't mess you up. He says, one day y'all are going to peep because it's my voice that's going to raise your grandmother up. The grandmother that valued me as the son and you think, oh, that's just grandma's God. One day... My voice. Actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. In verse 25, he's actually talking about spiritual dead. He says here, a time is coming, letting you know there's something that's down the line. But he says, verse 25, and is now here when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God. Quick theological note. A lot of stuff for the Christian is already, but not yet. Already, but not yet. So Jesus tells the woman, the Samaritan woman, hey, a time is coming and is now here when you won't worship the mountain, uh, worship on this mountain or in Jerusalem. He says a new era is here. Worship is not about the little location that you have. Used to be because God's the one who said, come on, I want you to come up here. But the time is now that it's not. And a time is coming when you won't even be able to. And later on in 70 A.D., the whole temple was uh, completely destroyed. So it was the time, he says, is already, but it's not yet. Same thing here. He says the time is coming and it's here. So there's, there's this futuristic time when people hear my voice and they get up. But it's now here. And what did he mean? He means, yo, is it, it, when I talk, there are people who hear. Now, further up, he said the son gives life to whomever he wishes. So he knows how to talk. Peaches used to always make the joke about Lazarus. They'll say he had to say Lazarus because if he would have just said come forth, Ezekiel would have got up. And then they run through all the Old Testament like Jesus had to say it. But Jesus really didn't have to say Lazarus. All he could do is know who he meant. And Lazarus would have been the only one to hear him say come forth. Same thing. God, Jesus Christ could spit in this whole crowd right now and say rise from the dead. Anybody in here that's not saved, the Bible says you're dead. Jesus Christ can say, yo, rise up. All of a sudden. Yo. I feel like I'm uh, I feel like getting saved. You tripping, yo. Come on, you know what we got to go after this. Nah, yo, for real, for some reason, what he's saying is making sense to me. Now, I've been to church all my life. You, your friends start talking. I've been to church all my life. I don't never like this stuff. You know me. I'll be the first. Y'all be arguing. 
If there's anybody who wants to trust Christ as their Savior, they say, you know, you getting up and you coming to the front. He says the time is now when people who are enemies with me, people who don't know God, people who know God instead of know God, all of a sudden say yes to the God they've been saying no to all their lives. All of a sudden, Jesus is not just a man, but he is God. All of a sudden, Jesus is not just a prophet, but he's God. All of a sudden, he says, see, because the son has this voice. That becomes the means to life. And it's a life after death because you died once. But after that death, when the son speaks, you can have life. Once again, he says, truly, truly. So again, this is that don't sleep on this. He says, listen, the voice of life is a voice of life that comes from life being in himself. For just as the Father has life in himself, verse 26, even so he gave the Son to have life in himself. See, Adam had life breathed into him. In the book of Daniel, there's a king named Belshazzar. Daniel went to him and said, Listen, you, Belshazzar, have not humbled your heart, Daniel 5:22. He says, You have not humbled your heart, even though you knew all this. He told him about his grandfather, how God had to get with his grandfather, Nebuchadnezzar. He says, Uh, But you have exalted yourself against the Lord of heaven, and they have brought the vessel of his house, vessels of of his house before you. And you and your nobles, your wives and your concubines have been drinking wine from them. And you have praised the gods of silver and gold, bronze, iron, wood, stone, which do not see, hear or understand. You just threw a party, got God's little goblets out, started toasting to gods that don't exist, can't hear. And he says this, he says, but the God in whose hand are your life breath and all your ways you have not glorified. You appear toasting to cats that can't say nothing, can't see nothing, can't hear nothing. But the God who holds your breath, you know your breath is on borrow, on loan. That God has your breath in his hands. Now, Jesus says, hey, I'm not like y'all. I don't have like God doesn't hold my life in his hand. I'm not a dude who's got borrowed breath. I wasn't made and then God breathed into me. He says, I have life in myself. Value the sun. I'm standalone. I'm, 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 tell the hood. Tell the hood Jesus is not the white dude in the frame with stringy hair and pretty blue eyes. He's one who has life in himself and a voice that can make a hard rock say, I want to trust Jesus Christ. When last week he said, F God. He can make people who sleep on God, who hate sermons, who get bored when God is the main topic, be the main one running around this joint. Woo! Yo, what's up with him? He's usually sleep doing this part. It's the voice of the sun. The value of the sun is a matter of life and death. The voice of the sun is a means to life after death. Hmm. It's not just a voice of life. It's a voice of judgment. Verse 27 not only did he, did he make it so that it's clear, I've got life 
of my own, he gave him authority to execute judgment because he is the son of man. If you don't like Jesus Christ because he's the only one who speaks and dead people get up. He says, let me tell you another thing that the son has on lock. Judgment. He says, the father gave him authority to execute judgment because he's the son of man. Now, the Jews who are listening to this are now really starting to like get nervous. Because what are you talking about the son judges? We always thought the father judges. Genesis 18, 20 to 25 says, and the Lord says, well, he's talking about Sodom. Let me skip down. He's talking about Sodom and how he's going to destroy him. Uh, down to, I'll start with 24. Abraham says, wait, but what if there's 50 righteous in the city? Will you sweep it away and not spare the place for the sake of the 50 righteous who are in it? Far be it from you to do such a thing, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous and the wicked are treated alike. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth deal justly? Come on, God, you're the judge of all the earth. You're not going to do nothing wrong. The Jews knew about God being judged. They didn't know nothing about the son who was actually going to come to earth, saying that he judges instead of the father. Judges 11 to 27 says, I therefore have not sinned against you, but you are doing me wrong by making me by making war against me. May the Lord, the judge, judge today between the sons of Israel and the sons of Ammon. The story of Jephthah, one of the judges called the Lord. At that time, God, the father's all they really had a clear understanding of. So God, the father has always been known as judge. Psalm 58 10 and 11. The righteous will rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He will wash his feet in the blood of the wicked. And men will say, surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely there is a God who judges on the earth. God the Father. Once again. Hey, God the Father's a judging God. Yeah. That means do me wrong. Oh, that's all right. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. Psalm 94. Oh, Lord, God of vengeance. God of vengeance. Come on, man. <laughs> Shine forth. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render recompense to the proud. How long shall the wicked, O Lord, how long shall the wicked throw a party? Romans 5, 6. If our unrighteous demonstrates the righteousness of God, what shall we say then? The God who inflicts wrath is not righteous, is he? I'm speaking in human terms. May it never be, for otherwise how will God judge the world? Paul's like, wait a minute, you know God ain't going to start tripping. He's got a judge. You know, you can't have an unrighteous judge. Well, in America you can, but in, in God's eyes, it's like you can't have a God who does wrong. Talk about something, oh, you did wrong. Now Jesus says, oh, don't get it twisted. I know what your Old Testament history says, and you're right. But you know God wants you all to stop sleeping on me. So what he did was, he already has told you one called the Son of Man was going to be granted the ability to take his place as judge so that everybody was going to have to get honor me the way they honor him. 
Daniel 7, 13 to 14. A lot of scriptures, but only to give you the, the background. Daniel 7, 13 to 14 says this. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came upon, up to the ancient of days and was presented before him. And to him, the son of man, was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all the peoples, nations, men of every language might serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed the son of man was the favorite uh, title that jesus liked to use when referring to himself so he always came with this understanding he wanted to let you know i know don't sleep with me i am man i identify with y'all as son of man but the son of man based on the original concept of it in, in Israel, in Hebrew history, which is Daniel 7, is one who comes on the clouds of heaven. So this isn't a human that just came out the womb. This is a human that comes from heaven. So he's got heavenly origin. He's got human affiliation. And he's got all power. He says, so when Jesus would say, yo, man, you're going to see the Son of Man. I'm t- all right. Keep, y'all going to see the Son of Man. You're going to see what Daniel saw. Now you read it. Daniel was tore up from the vision. He's like, see, y'all mess around here and think I've always been a little meek and mild carpenter. I judge because that's in line with my son of manness. Put it together, y'all. Value the son. It's a matter of your life or your death. If you don't value him as the son sent from the father, you won't receive him as the son you need to trust in. You'll try to make a beeline to God and God will say, you can't come to me except through the son. Value the son. The voice of the son is your means of life after death. It's a voice of life because he has life in himself. He speaks when you're hard-hearted. He speaks when you're smoking L's. He speaks when you're sleeping around. He speaks, and all of a sudden, life comes in you, the life of God, a desire to please God, a desire to want God, a desire to have fun around people who know God, a desire to not go to sleep when the fact that God is the main topic. He says a voice of judgment. Okay, so what? You sleep the whole, your whole life away on God. Don't worry. You'll hear my voice, my judging voice. I mean, when I was younger, when I knew I was going to get a beating, like this, was like this was the first couple of times I eventually caught on, but I used to think that my pops would have respect for the fact I'm sleeping. Because he'd come in late, like he always was home, but, but he said so he's going to be in there like 11 o'clock. And my bedtime was like 8 o'clock, so I thought he was going to be like, he'd been asleep for three hours I mean, I'll wait till tomorrow to beat him or something when he's up. But it was always strange. It'd be 11 o'clock. I would sleep. I'd go to bed mad early. 7.53. I'd be like, all right, good night. He's not there yet. I had a little babysitter. Oh, good night. I'm going to bed. Going to bed? It's only 7.53. You know, you stay up till 8. Oh, I had a rough day. I get into bed 11.12. Deucey. Deucey. Wake up. I'd be like, you know, I try like that, that, that long, like, I'm really asleep. Oh, gosh, I'm saying it in my, I don't believe this. <laughs> Deucey, wake up. I'm like, hmm. And he had the belt already. Let's go. 
and handle the biz right there. I'm like, but I was asleep. Jesus says, don't worry. You don't hear my voice now? I'll wake you up. (laughs) He says, don't, verse 28, don't marvel at this. An hour is coming in which all who are in the tombs will hear his voice. Remember 25, he says, an hour is coming and now is when they hear. And I said, oh, that's spiritual raising because it's, speaks of something that was happening at that time and something that he was saying would happen later. Well, here, notice, he doesn't say an hour is coming and is, because this only has a ultimate or a futuristic end. He says here now, an hour is coming when all who are in the tombs will hear his voice and will come forth. Those who did the good deeds will wake up to, hey, I bought you something, son. Those who committed evils wake up to the belt like I did, uh, uh, to a resurrection of judgment. But look at Christ. Don't marvel at this. Now imagine, he says truly, truly, when he can detect skepticism, uh, often he'll say don't marvel at this. So, like, what's their faces doing when he's saying all of this? Like, what's your parents do? And I mean, they already want to kill him. They've already, the, the Bible already said that they wanted, they were persecuting him and that they really wanted to kill him all the more when he brought up this issue of the unique relationship of the father and the son. And now he's saying, oh, don't, don't marvel, don't marvel at this. Everybody's going to hear my voice. Verse 30. Oh, hold on. Let me, let me, let me not sleep. Let me not skip over something real quick. I can't go into ju- the judgment. I don't want to teach a systematic theology by pouring, giving you everything about judgment. But we don't want you to think that what he's saying is that salvation is by works. Because he says, hey, when you, those who rise, who've done good, are going to rise to a judgment, uh, I mean, to, who arise to life, a resurrection of life. Those who have committed evil deeds to a resurrection of judgment. So some people think if their good outweighs their bad, that when they resurrect, God will just deal with them like that. No, in the Bible, basically this is a maxim that's saying, basically, if you truly were saved, the Bible's assumption is that it manifested itself in a life that was different than when you weren't saved. <laughs> good. So those who've done good is just the inverse of those who clearly got saved. And those who did evil was just the inverse of those who clearly remained in their sin. When they raise, God's going to deal with them. The judgment will be ugly. Whereas the people who were saved, of course, you're not raising to be judged uh, for your deeds because your deeds were nailed on the cross. You're being raised uh, to enter into a resurrection of life. Verse 30, I can do nothing on my own initiative. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just, because I don't seek my own will but the will of he who sent me. There's nothing like a clean conscience, nothing like you not having any ulterior motives. Jesus says, listen, I'm telling you right now, yo, I, I, don't, I don't just come up with this stuff. He says, I judge as I hear it. See, some people, when you get into voicing God's, God's views, they act like you came up with it. 
They get mad at you. Like, I don't believe that. Oh, my God, I can't believe you. Like, believe me, I'm just, I just quoted a passage. What do you mean you don't believe me? Jesus is saying here, look, I don't see, I didn't come down here like, man, let me see. What do I want to do? How should I be born? Um, where should I live? Um, what stuff should I do? Oh, she's looking dope. Let me, I'm just going to keep it, keep it all platonic, though. We still like to talk and all. I mean, nah, she didn't, he didn't say that. He's like, yo, uh, uh, boom. He says, as I hear it, I, I, I call it by the book. Value the son. It's a matter of life and death. The voice of the son is a means to life after death. Lastly, the validations of the son should lead to life and not death. Validations of the son should lead to life and not death. Verse 31. If I alone testify about myself, my testimony is not true. If there is another who testifies of me... Excuse me. There is another who testifies of me, and I know that the testimony which he gives about me is true. If Jesus is just coming up with this, he says, if I if I'm all on, like if I'm the only cat saying this, then, you know, it's not true because I told you I don't come up with the stuff. I don't originate it like Jesus doesn't mind being a biter. He says, God originates it and I echo him. That's my role. He says, if it's just me saying this, well, then it's not true. You can scratch it. But there's one who's validated what I'm saying because he said it first. And I know his testimony about me is true. God the Father. And he says here, the stuff I get, I got from listening to him. Remember several times Jesus talked about no one has gone up to heaven except he who came down. He usually said that in relation to something he was saying that you needed revelation for, not something you could just sit down and just say, yo, wait, 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 wait. I got a telescope. Now I know that. No, no, no. That's us looking up. Jesus would bring stuff down. He would say, ah, you must be born again. Oh, you don't understand this kind of birth. It's a birth from up above. That's why I have to remind you, I came from up above, so you know that's where I got it from. Don't you can you can comb the desert, you can dig in the fossil pits. You won't come up with the stuff I'm here. That's why I came down to give you all stuff that nobody was going to find down here on their own because it had to be dropped. So he says, God the Father has already sparked this kind of thing that I've been talking about about myself. I didn't start it. He says, but you don't understand God the Father's validation. So let's move on to somebody you did have, somebody you did like for a minute. But then when he started breaking off truth, that, of course, it it was going to say the same thing that I've been saying, the same thing that God been saying, and you started rejecting it. He says, let's read verse 33. You have... Uh, excuse me, you have sent to John, the baptizer, and he has testified to the truth. But the testimony which I receive is not from man, but I say these things so that you may be saved. He was the lamp that was burning and was shining, and you were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. You were willing to rejoice for a while in his light. But the testimony that I have is greater than that of John's. Remember, we were looking at this earlier in chapter 1. John came on the scene. 
And it says that he was sent to testify to the light, though he himself was not a light. So the light, phos in the Greek, he's not the phos, he's the lignos, which is a lamp. So I like the way the Greek even plays on it. Yo, he himself wasn't the light, phos. He was just a lamp, lignos. And he was just here to like, be a reflection and point people to the light. It's like them little keys. You ever see them like little keys that like, yo, and when you go home, like you can like shine it on the light. Like, where the light? Beep. And then you can see your light. So it's just, it's not meant to be a light. It's meant to be the thing that helps you to see the light. And he says here, when John came, John said, yo, the Lamb of God. And he was talking about the apocalyptic Lamb, the one who on that day, like the Son of Man, is coming with all power in his hands. And so he comes and he says, yo, the Lamb. He says, see, John came and he testified to the truth. John told you I was the Lamb. John, you, you came to John, remember, in chapter 1, and you tried to make, like, make it all about John. John kept saying, it's not about me. There's somebody who came before me. Yo, John kept trying to testify about the truth. You know what I'm saying? John was telling you, I'm before him. John was trying to tell you that and he he was adamant about letting you all know that i'm the son he said behold this is the son of god i wouldn't have known but i saw the spirit come on him this is the one who's going to give the spirit says john validated what i'm saying about me i didn't come up with this says if for a while you liked it josephus said that john basically had everybody open for a small season Josephus is a Jewish historian. He said John had cats open. And as you know, by the time we see Jesus come on the scene, everybody's going to him. So much so that when Jesus comes on the scene and people stop going to him, the disciples are like, John's disciples are like, yo, what's going on? Everybody used to come to us. Now they're all going to him. <laughs> he was up. They were upset. He says, see, John was a lamp burning for a little bit. And you enjoyed that. But then that fizzle. The validation of God, the validation of John. Jesus said, but I got something weightier than John for you. Verse 36. But the testimony which I have is greater than the testimony of John. For the works which my father has given me to accomplish, the very works that I do testify about me that the father has sent me. The validation of Jesus' own works. Turning water into wine. Flexing holy anger at the temple, blowing the minds of religious leaders and schooling them on stuff that originates above, converting Samaritans and others, healing people by just thinking it, hearing other people by touching them, healing invalids with just the word, transcending Sabbaths, breaking tradition. He says all of these things and greater things you're going to see all testify that I'm not your average Joe. I'm not Moses. I'm not cracking rocks and water coming out. He's going to say the scriptures that you seek diligently. He's going to tell you Moses cracking rocks. Like, that really was me. I was the rock. I gave the manna. He says, yo, I was the one. He says, and now my works, I'm down here healing people. I mean, we were all feasting. I leave the feast and go to where the invalids and the people like Pastor Mace was saying, where people are all pooped up. People are all moaning and groaning. Everybody's all crowded. It smells. I go, says, you think I'm doing all this because I want glory for myself? Says, my work sort of tell you I'm not just your average Joe. Says, you saw me in the temple. 
You've heard the stuff I, I say. He says, the father who sent me has testified, verse 37. He says, but I know what it is. You've neither heard his voice at any time nor seen his form. You do not have his word abiding, abiding in you, for you do not believe him who he sent. Jesus gets off the ropes right now. I was watching the classic thriller in Manila the other day. There's a little season where Muhammad was like, Ali was like, boom, 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 boom. Just a couple, but he was still on the ropes. Come to 14th round, 15th round, he's off the uh, 14. I think they stopped it. Yeah, in the 14, 14th round, he come out. Blah 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 blah. They stopped the fight. Now Jesus is about to stop the fight right here because he's getting off the ropes. He went from defending himself to start talking about them. Like, ah, oh, come on, man, enough is enough. I didn't talk to you about God's validation. I didn't talk to you about John the Baptist's validation. I didn't talk to you about my own works. He says, you know what this is about? He says, you all, you, 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 didn't, you didn't hear him. At least your four parents heard him for a minute and then said, oh, please, Moses, tell God to stop talking to us. You didn't see his form. A couple of dudes back there saw God's form, at least a form of God. He says, you don't have any of that. You need testimony. I didn't give you the testimony and you still don't receive me. You still don't believe me. This is a classic case of God hasn't done anything in you. The mindset of God is not in you. That's why this stuff doesn't rock you. This is why I always get scared when people don't like God being the focus. When God is being elaborated on and people get all like, dang, I wish I was somewhere else. It's usually because... Unlike Colossians says, God's word is not richly dwelling in their hearts. Jesus says, that's what it is. This isn't about no, no proof. If it was about information, I've given you that. This isn't about testimony, which they even said, the, out of the mouth of two or three, every word is established. He says, I've given you validation. This isn't about that. You hear about my healings. You've seen cats I've healed. You watch me heal on the Sabbath, which is why you're mad at me. This isn't about that. This is about you're not down with God. In spite of my God's affirmation of me, in spite of my resume, in spite of my works. He says, and then there's the scriptures. Verse 39, the validation of the scriptures. This is the when they stop the fight. You search the scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. It is these that testify about me and you are unwilling to come to me so that you may have life. He says, you will sit around, around the table, you're always up in church, you're always hearing a word, you're always getting a word, and you never arrive at a booming understanding of how dope I am. You're still ashamed of me on the block. You still don't bring me up to your family. Jesus is still not your favorite name, the name above every name. But you search the scripture. You're always in the scriptures. You got the memorization down. Says Jews, just sit around and, you know, the Bible attested the fact that the, the, especially this group, the religious leaders, they knew the scriptures and they diligently searched. She says, but if you would have really 
been on point, you would have saw that it speaks of me. The validation of human rejection. Now, hear me. First, he gives their validation. Then he says, but let me tell you what your rejection validates for me. He says, I don't, verse 41, I don't receive glory from men, but I know you, that you do not have the love of God in yourselves. So that's what this is validating. Not that there's something wrong with me, that there's something wrong with you. I have come in my father's name. You don't receive me. If another comes in his own name, you receive him. How can you believe when you receive glory from one another and you do not seek the glory that is from the one and only God? One of my favorite quotes is by a man named John Piper. Many people are willing to be God-centered as long as they feel God is man-centered. We like, a God, we like being God-centered, especially when God is us-centered. I'll praise God all day if the blessings are going to come down. I love me some Jesus because he paid all my bills. I got the victory. Jesus says, first of all, I'm not like y'all. I'm not hungry for human props. He says, but I know that you don't have the love of God because I come and I don't even come in my own name. I didn't come like, I, like the dudes who come before me because a lot of messiahs, fake messiahs used to pop up. And the Jews would always rally behind them. But the real reality is, and a lot of the background historians will tell you, because they thought if they befriended Messiah, a political Messiah, that that Messiah would give them some props and some kudos in the kingdom. Similar to when James and John went to Jesus, well, his mom was like, hey, if this is the real Messiah, why don't you ask him now if you could have the right and the left positions in the kingdom? That's what Jesus had to say. Come on, y'all, stop seeking good seats for yourselves. You know what I'm saying? The, the, the greatest of you will be the least. Well, they used to like messiahs who came in their own name, not a messiah who's deflecting glory, not a messiah who's coming like foxes have holes, birds have nests, but I don't have no place to lay my head. Man, we don't want that kind of messiah, not that kind of messiah that's going to feed us, but it's not going to overthrow Rome. So he says, I come, I come in my father's name, I come doing stuff for other people, y'all don't like me. Other people come in their own name, hey, everybody, I'm the messiah, come on, everybody gather around, and all of a sudden you flocking. He says, you know why? Because that's the kind of people you all are. You seek glory for yourself. You don't like God for God. You like God for you. Verse 45, we come into a close. Don't think that I will accuse you before the Father. The one who accuses you is Moses in whom you've set your hope. For if you believe Moses, you would believe me, for he wrote about me. But if you do not believe his writings, how will you believe my words? A lot of us think if we just saw a miracle that we believe. Jesus here is saying, nah, this is the problem. You don't believe the writings, you won't believe me. He says, this is, what's val- I'm val- this is validated for me. You're not on point. You haven't heard my voice. If you die like you are, you will be judged. And that's the gospel, y'all. It's not us prodding and pushing. It's us laying out some validations. It's us pointing to the things that he said. It's us referring back to historical evidences. It's us just laying the truth on the table. But after a while, you've got to say, you know what? I, I gave you the truth. May God give you eyes to see and ears to hear. I'm telling you, Jesus is the Christ. Now, we don't have to do all of that. I used to do that when I first got saved. Well, not when I first got saved. When I came back to the Lord, I was arguing with the Muslims. I was like, this is my grace. Like, you can't work your way to heaven. I don't care. They were pulling me away. I'm telling you, you can't work your way to heaven. You got to check it. 
They pulling me out on my home like, I can't believe that dude, man. Like, you don't do all of that. I've learned how to just go back and forth a little bit just because it's good exercise to be able to take different avenues to get to get to the cross, you know, explore how many ways God can bring you back to the cross. You'll be like, ah, well, hold on, wait. Okay, you want that? Okay, you want a tune? All right, I got a rap for you. Oh, what? You need a TV show? To... Oh, yeah. And before you know it, you just all over the place with all kinds of ways to get him back to the cross. Jesus Christ is the son and their need for him. Sooner they're like, ah, forget it. You're like, ah, oh, dang. All right. Tell you what. It's on the table. My closing remarks. Come to Jesus Christ. Have life. Reject him. Perish. Value the Son. Talk like that. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Not as three different gods. One God, the Godhead. Value the Son. The voice of the Son. That's the one you're going to hear. That's the one everyone's going to hear. That's the one you've heard if you're in Christ. That's the one we all are going to hear when our souls and our bodies reunite. And this is when those truly, truly, because I see a statement like that. It's like bodies reuniting. Truly, truly. The validations of Jesus should lead to, if they don't lead you to life, then you're validating you're still dead. I'm going to close with this. Applications. Devote yourself to honoring the unity and triunity of the Godhead as a way of application. Go home and discuss how this is going to work out. Ask yourself, Dad, how is this going to work? Talk with your wives. Talk with your husbands. So how are we going to honor the um, unity and triunity? And when we pray, let's just sort of like do like Jesus said. Our Father who art in heaven, in the name of Jesus Christ, by the power of the Spirit who gives us access. Ah, that's a good one. Come in and teach your kids how to pray like that, stuff like that. Let people know, yeah, God the Son spoke to my life. He was sent by God the Father. Now his Holy Spirit is residing in me. Talk like that. Faithfully tell others that the life is available in Jesus Christ and in none other. Share your faith. Be imitators of God. Jesus says, I only do what I see the Father doing. Jesus showed us what the Father does. We imitate Jesus Christ, we're imitating the Father. Don't be afraid to affirm equality and acknowledge distinction. Now, here's a tough one. One of the hardest things about following leadership is following. (laughs) Because we're equals in some senses. In marriage, that's a tough one. At your job, that's a tough one. In a rap group, that's a tough one because you're looking at your equal, but if everybody was doing the exact same thing, we wouldn't get anywhere. Jesus says, I don't do anything on my own. God the Father initiates, and I follow suit. Not because I'm not already on one accord. Read the scriptures in light of Jesus Christ. Live in light of the judgment. If you're not saved, repent in light of the judgment. And then lastly, uh, honor the Father, Son, and Spirit as one God, which is sort of like the first one. But do it with the rowdiness 
of a rap concert and a rock concert. Watch ourselves doing praise and worship. Watch ourselves doing the assembly. It is here that our honoring the God we believe in is supposed to manifest so that if anybody stumbles in off the street, they'll know what we think of the honor of the Son, the honor of the Father, the honor of the Spirit. I'm praying that if you don't know Jesus Christ, I hope the Son is speaking and that you're hearing. Let's pray. Ah, Father, we thank you for the book of John.